Please join me now in our prayer of illumination. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today giving thanks for all our mothers and the mothers of children throughout the world. At this time, we implore you to enlighten our minds and open our hearts to receive and understand your words and to better practice your teaching in our daily lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our reading today, our first reading is Psalm 31 verses 1 through 5 and verses 15 and 16. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame, and your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the second chapter of 1 Peter, verses 4 through 10. Listen now for the word of God to the church. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight, and like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, He is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage from 1 Peter 
is built on a paradox. I can think of nothing that symbolizes the lack of life more than a stone. In fact, a rock seems to be the antithesis of life. When the Lord carried Ezekiel to the middle of the desert and showed him a pile of dried out bones and asked the prophet, can these dry bones live? Ezekiel could at least imagine that those bones had been at one time alive, not so with a stone. It is by definition an inanimate object. And yet scripture not only metaphorically describes Jesus Christ as a living stone, but also encourages us to emulate his example. Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. The word of God gives us this paradox as a lesson for life and faith. So let's look at this paradox and glean what wisdom we can from it. Because in this case, as is often the case, the paradox is the lesson. The first paradoxical thing we can observe about being a living stone is that a stone has no will of its own. A stone is not something that acts, it is something that is acted upon. And clearly we are not like that. We have free will. We have been blessed with the power of choice our ability to think and to feel and to follow the lead of our own wants and our own desires, all of that makes us unique as living creatures. But we also know that our will can be deeply flawed at times. What we want, what we desire, and what we do to achieve our determined ends are usually corrupted by sin. Even the Apostle Paul admitted that though he was able to envision the good, he was rarely able to live into that vision of the good. All too often, our own wills end up working against the will of God. That is why this passage makes it very clear that we are not the ones doing the building The Greek verb used here is in the passive tense. In cases like this, it is often called the divine passive. Because we are not building a spiritual house. We are being built into a spiritual house. It is not our will, but the divine will that is acting. If we want to be of use to God, we have to let ourselves be used by God. Yes, we have free will. Yes, we have the power of choice. But much of the life of faith is about giving up our need to control the world or to dictate the path of events. The paradox is the lesson. A stone has no will. It cannot make its own plans. But by subjecting our will to the will of the master, we allow ourselves to be aligned with God's work. By allowing our plans, or excuse me, by allowing God to make the plans, we discover God's plan for us. 
A second paradoxical reality in this image of a living stone is that this particular stone, the one we are supposed to emulate and celebrate, had been repeatedly rejected. We rarely equate rejection with victory. In fact, rejection seems to be the antithesis of winning. Admittedly, some rocks are beautiful, but most of them are pretty ordinary and not much to look at. They are crude and jagged, clad in plain earthly coatings and crusted with dirt. Most go unnoticed unless we happen to step on one wrong while barefooted or trip over one that juts out into our path. And yet the image that is painted in the Psalms by Jesus in the Gospels and by Peter here in the epistles is that the most important stone in the building had been repeatedly rejected by human builders. God has taken something unremarkable and made it the linchpin of everything God wanted to build in the world. It was something unforeseeable, perhaps even negligent. But we also know that rocks can be changed. Over centuries, rocks that were once jagged and crude can be smoothed and polished by the rushing water of a river. Seismic tremors can shake them loose and split them on a cavern floor. Some are picked up by master gem cutters who work patiently to trim each facet and buff every surface. The Great Pyramid at Giza is roughly 4,500 years old by most estimates, and yet we can still observe the precision with which each great stone was crafted and placed. Some of the casing stones, the smooth and polished rocks used for the outside surface, are fit so perfectly together that not even one human hair can fit into the joints. Despite punishment by the elements and the destructive will of humans, this structure remains solid and strong. This paradox reminds us that as living stones, we realize that we are in the hands of the master craftsman. And that means that we can be used for worthy ends, even if we do not feel worthy. We may fear rejection because we have learned how painful rejection can be. But when we let ourselves be shaped by God, God can still do amazing things with our lives. The apostle Peter rejected Christ three times, and God still chose him as the rock on which Christ's church would be built. Paradox is the lesson. To the world, rejection is failure, not victory. But in the eyes of God, even the most ordinary, seemingly worthless things are potential treasures. Like the pot that was spoiled on the wheel, the master potter can reclaim us and reshape us into a thing of beauty. Final paradoxical truth considered is the one that I noticed first that an inanimate object is somehow by definition made alive. 
Yes, the image of a living stone challenges how we think about will and choice and also how we view rejection and winning, but at its core, this paradox speaks to the nature of life, how we see it and how God sees it. In the book of Hosea, the prophet details the depth of sin and the widespread nature of unfaithfulness in Israel. It had become so bad, the prophet warned, that God was considering ending the covenant, that God wanted a divorce from the people. But as we see time and time again, God's love for us is too great to do anything like that. Despite the broken will and the stubbornness of the people, despite their repeated rejections of God, God promises to remain true and draw the people near once more. Once I said you were not my loved ones, God says, but I will show my love to you again. Once I said you were not my people, but to you I will say again, you are my people. And you will say to me, you are my God. This New Testament passage in 1 Peter recalls that gift of mercy, that prophetic wisdom. Once you were not a people, Peter writes, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. These are simply other ways of saying once you had no life, but I have given you life. The paradox is the lesson. A stone has no life of its own, and we are more like those stones than we usually care to admit. We come from the same dust, and were it not for the choice of God, we would have no more breath in us than a stone has. We have no power to claim life, No power to create life for ourselves. Only God can do that. But all things are possible with God. Shortly after I became the pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, I heard a wonderful story from its history. Back in the 1960s, the congregation had decided to build a new education building. Construction started in early summer, just a few weeks before vacation Bible school started. Lib Dove, a beloved Sunday school teacher and a gifted musician, wanted the children to feel a part of this big thing that was happening in their church. So throughout the week, she and the other VBS leaders encouraged all of the children to bring in pennies and nickels to contribute toward the cost of the building. By the end of the week, they maybe had three or four dollars, but the amount wasn't important, and that's actually not really what people remember. What they remember is the special song that Mrs. Dove wrote for the children and the idea that she hatched with Nick and Betsy Body, longtime faithful members of the church. On the last day of Bible school, Mrs. Dove and the bodies lined up all the kids in a line, and they formed a single-file parade down Church Street. And as they walked, they all sang this new song written just for them. Oh, we're going to build a church. 
they sang. When they arrived at the brickyard, each child in turn picked up a single red brick. And then they turned around and they began marching back down Church Street to First Presbyterian, each carrying their red clay offering, singing every step of the way, oh, we're going to build a church, brick by brick. Back at the church, a mason was waiting for them. He stood close to the cornerstone, which had already been laid. And as each child in turn handed his or her brick to the mason, he would gently spread the mortar and place the block securely in the wall. And through it all, the song of God's children continued to lift. Oh, we're going to build a church, brick by brick, hand by hand. The paradox is the lesson. We have free will, but we are called to subject our human will to the divine will of God. We fear rejection, and we often work pretty hard to avoid it. But we are called to trust that if we will only submit to the will of the master and place ourselves in God's hands, our every every flaw can be mended, and we can be shaped into something not only useful, but beautiful. And we may take our lives for granted or even fool ourselves into thinking that we deserve credit for what we have in our lives. But we are called to remember that were it not for the love and grace and wisdom of our creator, we would be nothing and we would have nothing. The living cornerstone which was once despised and rejected, has been chosen and laid as the chief cornerstones. Cornerstone. So like living stones, let yourselves be built into this spiritual house, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. Placing ourselves in God's hands, let us commit right here and right now to join that holy procession and add our own voices to that holy song, oh, we're going to build a church brick by brick, hand by hand, living stone by living stone. Amen.